0: Steppers, how are we doing, people? This is the Directed Steps podcast based on Proverbs 16.9 that says a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So the question is, would you rather be stepping in your own steps or stepping in the Lord's steps? This isn't just a special guest, but this is somebody who I've been walking with very closely for the past six months. He's been pouring into my life, and yeah, I'm just grateful. The Lord has put this man in my life. So this is Steve Manka. You want to say what's up to the people, Steve?
1: Yeah, thank you, Dylan. i very privileged, on and praise God for that.
0: Yes. So I started coming to Crossway Chapel Church, and I wasn't involved with his young adult ministry at the time, but as I got involved with it, I got to know him, and I got to share a little bit about my story with him, and it's just been a blessing to get to know him and see how he's working other people's lives. So... We were talking and I was like, hey, Steve, I wanted to get you on my podcast. I think it would be a great opportunity to hear a little bit about your insight and how the Lord's given you some wisdom and discipleship. So I think a great question to start off with in this conversation of discipleship is what is a disciple? According to dictionary.com, it is somebody who is a pupil or an adherent of the doctrines of another. A great example in scripture of this is 1 Corinthians 11, 1, where Paul says to the weaker believers in the faith and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I also think about how he wrote the book of Timothy to someone who was one of his disciples who was going to preach in the ministry. It is when someone humbles themselves to look up to a stronger and wiser person in the faith and the disciple maker sacrifices their time to pour into the disciple to build them up in the faith. It's pretty much like a mentor to a mentee. Steve, you got any thoughts on that of what is a disciple?
1: Disciple is basically somebody that is willing to bear up their cross mm. and follow Jesus Christ and carry out the Great Commission, as Matthew 28.
0: Says. Yeah. As you guys know or are familiar with the Directed Steps podcast, we typically start off with a statistic. Barna.com, a research firm on faith based subjects, partnered with the Navigators to study how Christians are making disciples today. When the results came back, they found that 39% or 2 out of 5 Christians aren't engaged in discipleship at all. They also found that 28% of Christians are in a discipleship community. If they claim to be believers, that's not a lot of people in discipleship community. Discipleship community means that they are in a group where they are being discipled and they're discipling others. When reporting all the Christians surveyed about how they feel in their walk with Jesus, the 28% of Christians that are in a discipleship community reported to be the most joyous and satisfied in their relationship with Jesus. Their relationship with Jesus impacts the way they live their daily lives the most, and they feel the most re-energized when they spend time with Jesus. I don't know the people who were surveyed, how they gathered the surveyors, or how honest these people were in the study, but what I do know is that I can attest to this in my own life. Even with Steve being here, I was fairly new to the church and he started pouring into my life pretty short after we met and he gave me opportunities to pour into other people's lives when the time was right. The times where my faith has been flourishing the most is when I have been around a solid group of believers where we have been pouring into each other's lives through discipleship. Now it's important to have those overseers in your life that provide guidance in your decision-making, but we should also be living out 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. As believers, we are all a part of the body and have a specific function. Maybe you need to be discipled more and be discipling others less, or vice versa. But either way, your role is just as important as the next in a discipleship-based community. Steve, as I shared that statistic with you, was there any thoughts that you had based
1: on that? It doesn't surprise me that uh, there is a lack of discipleship in the church today.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think you're going to get into this later, but a lot of churches are missing the ball on being missional about reaching in other people's lives and whatnot. But the first question that I ask every guest before we get into our interview on the topic that we're going to be discussing is, how did the Lord direct your steps to salvation in Jesus?
1: Well, the first thing I want to say is my dad was in a cult, so I hated pretty much everything about religion and It's not that I didn't hate God or was angry at God or didn't believe in God. The fact was, I probably wouldn't have stepped into a church. And so God, by his mercy, he put me in a truck. I was a truck driver and it was a Christian radio station called WVCY out of Milwaukee, where I was from. And I was listening to five hours a day to big preachers like Tony Evans, Adrian Rogers, and Charles Stanley. And... You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and as I was hearing the gospel and this message of salvation, it was just softening my heart. And the breakthrough was when I started realizing that my sin was violating God. And I knew I was messed up and I I, I had a lot of addictions and I was broken. But it was that point where once I knew my sin was violating God, that's when I really started seeing this need for a savior. And so the next breakthrough part of that was I got on my hands and knees and I just didn't know who God was, but I knew he existed. And I just asked him that, you know, I don't know what to believe, but Lord, I just want to be with you. Just save me. And in that time... Being trapped in my sin and crying out for mercy. It was like two weeks he just lined everything up. But that's when I knew I became born again.
0: I've only heard bits and pieces of your story. I know that's just a very brief SparkNotes version of it. It makes me think about Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. When God was softening your heart, it wasn't to glorify you, but he did it so that he can glorify him who's in heaven because that is the best way to live this life here on earth. All right. So my first question on this interview on discipleship is how have disciple makers been impactful in your walk?
1: Let's just say it this way. It saved my marriage. I was in a church with my wife and due to tension with leadership and my immaturity I didn't want to really come under the leadership and I was fighting it. A lot of pride and we kind of detached somewhat from the church and at the time there was so many things going wrong in our marriage and so what changed was we then shortly had our first son and as we were at this church, God pressed on our hearts because we knew it was time to leave because the church we were in didn't have any kids. So my wife and I really wanted our son to be around children in a a church. And so we uh, reconciled everything asking for forgiveness at the church and was affirmed that we were able to move on to a new church. And that was Crossway Chapel of Fox Mm. Valley, where I'm attending now. And When we came in there, our marriage was a mess, but thanks to the Lord, there were so many giving us grace and compassion, wanting to come around us and disciple us, and I can't stress enough about discipleship. If you want to be discipled, you need to be committed to the body of Christ in a local church, and we saw, as a married couple, the discipleship program they had at the time it was just amazing. And our hearts were so broken and ready to receive. And I just will tell you, this has been a huge pivotal point in our Christian walk, all because we were discipled, and hmm. it saved our marriage.
0: At the first church, was there any like discipleship initiatives there?
1: Yeah, the first one was uh, Calvary Chapel church plant. However, there was discipling going on, but it was very on a surface level. And it was more, if you know anything about a church plant, you're more doing and serving and you get kind of busy and tied up where you're lacking that discipling one-on-one yeah. and things like that.
0: I think that's interesting though, because we could be in a situation where the discipleship may be limited. And I think we could get caught up in all the doing, but in reality, what is important in the body is intimacy between believers. And... I'm glad you found that a Crossway, people who actually you got to be vulnerable with about the things in your life instead of saying, okay, Steve, you got to do this today. And you're like, okay, but deep down, you know, you're struggling with some sin, you know, and yeah. it's sometimes just important for people to just say, hey, are you doing okay? And being vulnerable enough to say, ah, I, you know, I'm dealing with this sin at the moment and having people around you to give you wisdom in that situation. I know for myself, if it wasn't for God using disciple makers in my life, I wouldn't be doing this podcast in the first place. If it wasn't for God using disciple makers, I wouldn't have heard the gospel. I wouldn't have been told my sin is holding me back. I wouldn't have learned as much as I have about God's word. I wouldn't have examples of biblical manhood and marriage and plenty of other ways that these disciple makers have impacted in my life, not only by telling me how to do these things, but by being a living testimony of what it is to live a godly life. That's what these disciple makers have done in my life. My goal as I walk with these disciple-makers is that I could be as effective towards others that I'm discipling as these disciple-makers have been to me. I'm thankful that God has placed people like Steve in my life and the other mentors that I've came across to take me where God is calling me. My next question is, how has submission to mentors in your walk been beneficial?
1: It's everything. Humility is one of the key factors in your Christian walk, and When it comes to discipleship, we can't be discipling others if we haven't been discipled ourselves. If you look at Jesus and his disciples, Jesus poured into 12 for three years before they were even sent out and started discipling others. So my point is this, we have to trust God to submit to the leaders and the people he has placed over us. And sometimes it's not always gonna make sense or we're gonna always be in agreement but it does in a sense when we submit it creates a great dependency on god because if we can't submit to authority uh, then we're not able to submit to god in general Mm. and and therefore how can you expect anyone to submit to you when you disciple
0: others Mm. that's good couple key verses that come to my mind when on this topic of submission are both in hebrews 13 hebrews 13 7 says remember your leaders who taught you the word of god think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith and then hebrews 13 17 says obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you I think in our culture today, submission can definitely be a trigger word. (laughs) And this is mainly because it is in complete opposition to our flesh to submit to an authority in our lives. We love the rebellious life. Even my flesh does myself, but I have to die to that daily. That's why most people don't want to follow Jesus is because we naturally want to be in charge of our lives and do what we want to do, but it is in our best interest to follow Jesus for the flourishment of humanity, spiritually and physically. Of course, we should be selective to who we choose to be submitting to. As believers, we don't want to be submitting to somebody who isn't congruent with the gospel because they're going to be guiding you with the wisdom of man, which may be useful to some worldly extent, but God's wisdom will keep us eternally grounded in the spirit instead of trusting in wisdom that will all fade away someday. The person who we should be submitting to ourselves is the leaders who taught us the Word of God in a true and loving fashion. These people have insight on the things we may be going through that we may not have a complete grasp on, and trusting the wisdom God has provided them in their lives through the Holy Spirit can be beneficial to living a life that glorifies Jesus. These leaders may see things that we don't see in ourselves that can push us to glorify God for the kingdom. It wasn't until a leader in my life affirmed to me that I could be a leader for those around me that I started to actually pursue being a leader. Another role that a leader has in our lives is to prevent us from pursuing something that could potentially be harmful. For instance, if I was pursuing an area of ministry that Steve didn't see fit for my gifts or my personality, he would let me know that maybe this isn't the best fit for me. These are just some benefits of submitting to the leaders and mentors in our lives because they will have a godly perspective that we are yet to have. My next question to you is, how has the Lord directed your steps in creating
1: disciples? We are not manufacturers, we're just distributors. And so we must take this to heart of Psalm 127.1 and it states this, unless the Lord builds a house, they who build it labor in vain. Mm. So with that said, I put it this way, God develops it, he ordains it and cultivates it. What made me realize why I wasn't able in the past to disciple people at a deeper level was because I wasn't missional. But it was once I started becoming missional, thank you to a pastor named Tom Harkis, it just really helped the growth and compassion and care for others. We used to go into the parks and we would just start, you know, evangelizing, we would care, we would serve we would do all these things and my heart took an interest in others that much more. And so like being on mission, trying to make disciples is where it starts. And then because you get this hunger and you look to others above your own interests and then you start realizing how you need to start building these people up to be sharing life one-on-one. I believe a lot of churches why they're not discipling others in a way that brings change is because the church is just lacking missionally. Church goes beyond Sunday, and it's getting with people daily, sharing life by making disciples. And that means it's going to take some time and sacrifice. Yeah.
0: And Steve, I want to commend you for something that I have seen in you that I think is inspiring is how willing you are to just let people in your home. That's an uncomfortable thing I think a lot of people aren't willing to do. How did you overcome that? Maybe like, oh, it's kind of weird having all these young adults in your house all the time. Like, what's kind of your thoughts on that?
1: That's part of being missional. And it's just another avenue to disciple. And mm. because the greatest thing about hospitality is building relationships. Mm. And of
0: course, you have to balance this like, okay, we want to have our house open to young adults, but I need to provide and be a protector for priests and priest my family. How do you balance that?
1: Seek thy kingdom first and his righteousness and all Mm. things will be added to you. You know, Jesus comes first. It's being sold out. And honestly, I'm so thankful and grateful the gift that the Lord has given me with my wife. She has the gift of hospitality. Mm. She loves serving, doing that opening house. We have seen God move more than any other place in our house.
0: I think about how the church isn't a building. It's a people. As a church, we got to be around these people and we got to get comfortable with these people. We got to love these people. And you show a great example of that. An important passage of scripture to look at when thinking about how the Lord is directing your steps and creating disciples is Matthew 4, 19 through 20, when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew to be his disciples first. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Reading and understanding this is essential if you're going to make disciples and follow out that great commission in Matthew 28. When Jesus saw Peter and Andrew fishing, Jesus told them to follow him and he will show them how to fish for people. Following Jesus and making disciples are concepts that should not be separated. He will not show you how to fish for people if you are not following him. If you are fishing for people without him, then it is for reasons that does not bring glory to God. We should be following Jesus as we make disciples. And as we read his truth in his word, he will reveal to us how we are to fish for people. You wanna first build foundational relationships centered around Jesus. And you never know who the Lord will bring in your path as you are following him. These things typically don't go as you planned it, but the Lord brings these people to you as he wills it. And I think you can kind of relate that with me coming in the Crossway just randomly. I don't know if you got any thoughts on that.
1: There's always a reason for everything. And- sometimes when you have been following the lord and just really wanting to do his will the holy spirit does guide on people that are eager to follow the lord and i saw that in you dylan and uh the lord just made it clear that he's gonna be using you and doing great things in your life and just thank god for the holy spirit
0: praise god for that So my last question in this conversation of discipleship is what is some advice you would have to somebody who is looking to make disciples?
1: Let's just put it this way. Our time is limited and the Bible says we need to redeem our time. And I'll be honest, ministry is messy. So I've learned that through ministry, we really want to maximize our time and efforts. So I think this is what's so powerful and it's an acronym called FAT. F-A-T, F stands for faithfulness. People I look to disciple have to love the Lord. You wanna see them fear his word. Do they project character like humility and integrity by keeping their word? Are they doing what they need to do when it comes to responsibility? Faithfulness is huge. And then the next one is A, which is availability. I'll be honest, If being available is a sign of where their priorities are at, and it's a sign of commitment, dependability, and reliability, and we live in a busy world. Life is busy, but you know what? Christ needs to be first, along with his kingdom work, and therefore, you're not much of a use if you're not available. And I'll just say this, inconsistency basically brings mediocre results. And so the last one, though, is teachable, and this is huge. You can't be a disciple if you're not teachable. And it's like how we talked, Dylan, earlier about submitting and coming under. There's so many people out there to do good works to save the world, but we do want to look for people that are being genuine, true, and serious about following the Lord to invest your time in in disciple making. And this is what I base mine on is faithful availability and teachables.
0: I think when you first shared that with me, I was like, I need to take that with me where I go. Because not everybody that you come across in this discipleship may be somebody that may not be somebody you wanna pursue to disciple because they're not gonna be fruitful. I think discernment with how you do that and letting the Lord guide the people who come your way is probably the wisest decision. I think about 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Are these people trustworthy? Are they gonna pass it on to somebody else? Maybe we can't tell that in the here and the now, but we gotta be alert with how we make disciples. During this conversation about discipleship, did you think of something mid-conversation that you may like to add to this discussion that you didn't get the chance to?
1: We're always discipling people when we're encouraging, sharing scripture on Sunday morning. Whatever we do, it's discipling. However, my encouragement is that for us to get on a deeper level of really truly discipling others, we first must be discipled ourselves. You can't expect to be disciple-making at a deeper level as Jesus did hanging with the disciples for years and one-on-one in group.
0: Let's look at the original 12 disciples because I like that you brought that up. I think that's the greatest example of how to disciple people. Are we living life with these people? Are we being around them in the uncomfortabilities of life? The disciples didn't like each other all the time. They didn't get along all the time. We have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think as we look at the word, these things become more obvious to us. How much are we actually digging into the word? about how to live these things of life like discipleship, because I think Jesus gives us a great example on that. And back to this idea of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable in discipleship, we can look at this both as the disciple and the disciple maker. And this is the call to action, by the way. Pressing into the awkward conversations and the uncomfortable conversations will be the greatest opportunity for growth in discipleship. I believe that vulnerability about our weaknesses as a disciple is a superpower. Because of this verse I'm about to share, Paul says in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So now I am able to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. This has been one of my favorite verses to apply in my own life because I've seen the fruit of it abundantly. Seldom do people want to be vulnerable about their struggles or issues they're working through. But when you let trusted individuals and mentors into those personal aspects of your life, that's when relationships and your character begin to grow. A lot of people are going through the same things you're going through and your mentors probably went through the same things you're going through. Applying this verse as a disciple helps you realize that your identity isn't in how strong you are, but your identity rests in how amazing God's grace is and how you don't need to pretend that you're perfect anymore because God has been perfect for you. And then for someone who is looking to be a disciple maker or a mentor, get comfortable with the uncomfortable of knocking down your pride in your speech. Colossians 4 6 says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I'm speaking to myself on this one. I definitely have a natural tendency to smack someone over the head with biblical truth and completely dismiss having discernment about how the person I'm speaking to will perceive the truth. Is my speech seasoned with pride or is it seasoned with grace? Discerning when to have the hard conversation and relying on the Holy Spirit to direct your steps in the right time to have those conversations is essential. Or you can be on the opposite end of the spectrum and you fear having those hard conversations with your disciple. Then I would question if you should be discipling that person in the first place for the reason that you're not even being a mentor, you're just being an enabling friend. And that's the hard truth. But it's sharing the truth in love and discipleship that is key. Do you have any
1: thoughts on that, Steve? All I can say is I. A- piggyback off of what you said, ministry and discipling is messy, but we need to give grace because we have received great grace.
0: Yeah, 100%. So yeah, that's kind of the end of this discussion on discipleship. This has been a blessing, Steve. I think it's refreshing to hear somebody's perspective who's actively pursuing discipleship. And as somebody who's looking to disciple people in my future, these are good reminders and good things to keep in mind when pursuing discipleship. So the agenda for the upcoming podcast, this is technically the last podcast for my assignment. I do wanna keep this podcast going and you may have noticed that the audio is a little bit different and that's because I, just tweak my own home studio at my house. So now I can record podcasts on my own time. And I think that's going to be such a blessing. I'm not sure who I'm going to have on the next podcast. I might just do one by myself and see how that goes. As you know, it's always a blessing to share God's word, to live out God's word, to be with God's people and just walk the life that God has called us to. This is your host, Dylan Tuttle. We are out of here, steppers. Peace, y'all. The Directed Steps podcast is brought to you by Pixabay royalty-free music and Bible translations such as the New Living Translation and the New King James Version. Thank you for listening.